Hey, Kendra, guess what I'm thinking about this week? Hey, Lacey, what are you thinking about? Bullet journaling and rubber bands. Ooh, that sounds... Wait, why rubber bands? Because my bullet journal is starting to fall apart after a week of using it because I keep it deep down in my work bag. And so I just need one of those colorful, large size rubber bands to keep all the pages together. Gotcha. I'm thinking about warm weather now that uh, the snow is all gone. That's awesome. I actually, I don't know, for our listeners, we live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I love the snow because we never see it. So I probably am one of the only people who's going to say that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Today we're going to talk about learning a new tool really, really well. And I think this is a good one for all of us in education because oftentimes, and I'm sure you've had this experience, Lacey, when I'm working with a teacher or even when I'm thinking about things I want to try myself, I'm always drawn to what's new, what's exciting, what's shiny. And it's hard, I think, especially on teachers, to be constantly trying to learn new things and figuring out how to make these new products all work with the content that they're teaching their students. And so we're going to talk with you today a little bit about how you might take a tool, learn it really, really well, and then be able to use it for multiple functions. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. And one of the issues that teachers and students face when using technology in the classroom is just the amount of time it takes to find a new tool that is appropriate for what you want to do with it. And then all the hours you spend after work learning how to use that tool yourself. And then the valuable class time that teachers take to teach the new tool to students. And it really seems like teachers should get, I don't know, get their money's worth out of it, that if you're going to take the time to learn a new tool and teach a new tool to your students, that you can use it for all kinds of things. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And I think if we as coaches can support teachers in learning tools in a way that makes them or empowers them to, you know, mining it and figuring out how they might be able to use it for, for uses that aren't immediately apparent, I think we can help them save a lot of time and really focus more on that deeper learning and things we want them to be doing rather than constantly learning something new in terms of tools that they might be able to do with something that they already know how to use. So we're probably fumbling around with the wording of this because Kendra and I don't actually have a tool, a specific tool that we're talking about. We're just talking more about the idea of the tools. Right. Right. And so, Lacey, I was working with a teacher yesterday, and she asked me to get her some information about making infographics. She wants her high school um, history students to build out infographics on different historical events and groups in history, which is a great, great idea. Um, I think she initially thought that I would provide her with a bunch of new tools, and I did give her a couple of options, um, like PictoChart and a couple of other things. But I also, and really focused more on the fact that she can have her students use Google Slides and Google Drawings to do the same thing. And I think she really connected with that idea because then she didn't have to learn a new product and her students, more importantly, didn't have to learn a new product. So she could have them do this work in a relatively short amount of time without having them explore something new and then sort of having her deal with the problems with a new product. What I hear you're saying, Kendra, is that Even though, okay, so you gave her a few different specific tools to use. And even though we're not talking about specific tools, all of the tools that you shared with her came from the same category. And those were the tools that allow students to show what they know. 
So you mentioned Google Slides and Google Drawings, and that's important because tools like those where students have endless possibilities, that deserves the time and attention it takes to learn and teach how to use these tools. But things like, um, I don't know, other things like content deliverers or online textbooks, that's not what we're talking about at all. We're not talking about ways that students can take quizzes. These are all in the broad category of tools that allow students to show what they know. Is that, would you agree with that? Yeah. It sounds like you're talking about the difference between a consumption product and a creation project. So we're focusing more on things that kids can use to create. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the ones that are endless once you, you know, most I think teachers come up with a project idea and they say, okay, guys, we're going to use Google Slides, for example, and everybody's going to come up with a presentation at the end and you're going to share with the class what you know. Well, I think what Kendra and I are suggesting is that, yeah, you start out with with your project and you use the tool and it has a particular task but when it's time to do your next project instead of looking for a whole new tool go back to that first tool and see if you can use it in a different way and really learn all the ins and outs of the one particular tool and and allow students to then think critically and creatively with the tool and see what other ways or see what other things they can do with it. So let's continue talking about Google Slides, for example, because that's a very versatile tool for both teachers and students to use. And we're all familiar that Google Slides can be used as presentations. Um, And I guess what I mean by that is stand up in front of the class and display your presentation on a board and talk people through it. Like a traditional PowerPoint sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, a traditional PowerPoint. And that's just one thing you can do with Google Slides. So Kendra's come up with a whole bunch of other ways to use Google Slides, and maybe I can contribute one or two ideas. I don't know, but let's see. What other ways can you use Google Slides to show what you know? Which I guess is going gonna, is gonna to answer this question of how can we use one tool in more ways than, originally, than we originally thought. Right. So um, we just talked about infographics. Those are a great way of using Google Slides. Um, you can, there are different templates for creating books that you can either share or print, which are really handy. One thing people... So hold on, before you go on with that, if can you explain that a little in a little bit more detail? So how can you take a Google Slides presentation, like a PowerPoint, and then turn it into a book? What are some minor things that you can do? Or maybe what are some of the hidden secrets in Google Slides, some simple things you can do to change from presentation to creating a book? Oh, I think that's a really good question. So one thing I think people don't tend to know is that you can change the size of the slides in Google Slides. You can actually do it in any of the Google products. So in your Google Slides, go to File and then go to Page Setup. And once you're in there, you can choose Custom Page Setup and make it any size you want. So one example of that when we're talking about books is to make your pages 8.5 by 11. And then if you really wanted to, you could print them out. Absolutely. So since you can change the page size, you don't have to do 8.5 by 11. You could probably also do... I don't know. Three what by up? four. Yeah. I mean, and why? You could do legal size paper. Yeah. You could probably turn your Google Slides presentations into postcards and print out postcards on cardstock or something if you wanted. You could. Google Slides is also really versatile because I think people, one of the big things that people don't like about Google Docs is that you can't do text boxes in the way that you can in, in Word. But if you change your 
page size in Google Slides to paper size, then you can add as many different layers of text boxes or images as you want just using Google Slides and it functions the same way. Which is super fabulous and will allow students to show what they know in different ways, right? Right. And I think a really big thing out of this, Lisa, you sort of mentioned this earlier, is that this can really help save class time. So if you're not reteaching things or forcing kids to learn new products all the time and just having them come back to that that same product all the time and come up with a new way of using it it really helps not only the teacher but the student to be more creative about the work that they're doing and the design of the work that they're doing which is really nice so one thing that I can contribute to this conversation about different ways to use slides and by the way just as a personal side note for the listeners This is something that I struggle with, and Kendra's really trying to stretch my creativity and critical thinking skills here by knowing that I don't know all the different ways to use slides, and we're having this conversation anyways. But um, here's my one contribution, and I actually am going to give credit back to Kendra, who showed our entire department how to turn a Google Slides presentation into an animated comic strip. So can you talk briefly about using Google Slides to create an animated comic strip? This is a really fun one, and we linked an example in the show notes so that you can see how it works. But basically, you take a slides presentation, design it like with a background that you like, and put a character in it. And then you just duplicate the slide over and over again and move the character slightly every time so that it makes a motion path. And then when you're ready to publish it or have the animation happen, if you use the option for publish the slides as a web page, it'll make it into a movie and you can adjust the speed and all sorts of other things about it. And so it ends up being really fun and it's something that your students can certainly do. And to just bring it back to what we're talking about, so kids at this point probably will already know how to insert images and change the background and get each slide how they want it. So the new skill that they're doing is just publishing to the web and changing the frame rate. So instead of submitting a link to their Google Slides presentation, they're going to submit a link to the teacher that will take them to an external web page. And when the teacher or whoever clicks on it, it will show an animated slideshow which is a really cool concept, especially since we are maximizing this one tool and we're not teaching anything new. We're just maybe the instruction for how do you take a presentation and turn it into an animated slides? What is that like a five minute conversation or maybe even an infographic or information that you just have on a piece of paper and share with your kids? Like that's no time commitment at all to take the skill we already have and do something new with it. Absolutely. I could see a teacher recording a quick screencast on that, making the video available to kids so that they can replay that and see the parts that they're struggling with individually. And then the teacher can just work on other other aspects of the, the lesson with their students. So we have infographic, um, actual books, and animated comic strips. What are Do you have any other creative suggestions for how we can just use a Google Slides to do something completely different than a presentation? Yes. So in the past with other teachers, we've built out slides as rather than delivering information as a place for students to create new learning. So if you're familiar with interactive notebooks, um, we've built out a couple of interactive slides presentations where the kids have to, you know, add information to it or, or sort things or move stuff around so that they're displaying knowledge through this slides presentation. Oh, I suddenly have another idea based on what you just said. So 
I think a lot of us are familiar with HyperDocs and we'll probably be podcasting about that, I don't know, sometime in the next season. But you could, if you're familiar with HyperDocs, you could use a Google Slides presentation to create, share, and have students add to a HyperDoc. Yeah, definitely. So that, I mean, that was kind of an interactive notebook in a way. But I I think you're definitely right. I think um, there's a lot to be said for HyperDocs and the great work that your kids can do out of them. And it really, I think, streamlines streamlines the process of planning the work for the teacher because all of the standards, all of the work, all of the, the responses that the kids are going to generate are all in one place, which I think can make it easy for teachers to try, try these new and innovative things. Yeah, and it's, I mean... I think that everybody knows how much you and I love Google, but especially with the whole ability to share and sharing edit permissions and sharing view only permissions, there's just so much potential and the technology just makes it so much easier for teachers and students to show what they know. Um, It's true. And I think it also is more of an investment in the future for the teacher. Um, So if they're having, they're wondering, you know, this seems like a lot of upfront work on my part. Sometimes it can be. Um, Some of the ways that you might overcome that are working with a team. So having someone else you can share and be working on the same file at the same time. But also know that with some minor adjustments, you can use these same files in subsequent years so that you're not having to recreate the wheel every time. You don't necessarily have to print things all the time or get kids to manage their paper, which was always a struggle in my classroom. Right. And if you decide next year that you have some things to change, making changes to them is is really simple and I don't know I feel like in the past before I used technology making a change to a project was a huge hot mess because you had to locate the file find the original change it reshare I mean there was just so much to it but using google slides to change one little element of your bigger picture project is so simple it's that's right that's like a saving. like a one or two minute process to make that tiny adjustment and it's nice because it updates everywhere so if Lacey and I were sharing that same slides presentation as the base of our project I don't have to email Lacey and be like oh Lacey I made an update to it here's the new file it's automatically updated for her which is real nice when teachers are able to really own a product and use it in multiple ways for students to create and show what they know, I think it really helps teachers to be empowered to think beyond what's, what's normally been possible. I think in, when, when a teacher really feels like they own a product, that's when they can really start to be really innovated with the work that they're they're creating for their students and their the work that they're asking kids to do, which is really nice. They're 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 able to go beyond the basic level or the things that are readily apparent and move into really exciting, really innovative things that are great for student engagement and student learning. And the time. I mean that's I think that's my thing. So yes to everything that you just said, but just to, I don't know, to emphasize it, imagine all the time you can save not spending a whole class period teaching students how to use another tool. Just use the same one. Do something different with it. I think that's a really good point. And not to say that you shouldn't use use new tools or teach kids new tools, but if you're thinking about using a new tool that does the same thing as something you and your kids already know how to do, maybe think twice about that. Save right. yourself the time, save yourself the aggravation. 
And we haven't even talked about whether an app is free versus paid, but definitely if you have something or a tool, if you have a tool that does something, don't pay for another tool oh, when you already no. have a free one. Or if you already have paid for one, don't pay for a second one. So I don't know. Come on, people. Maximize your efficiency and your effectiveness. That's right. And keep your money in your pocket. That's right. Or buy more markers. Everybody loves markers. Especially the scented ones. Yeah. I was actually at Staples earlier today and I found myself standing in the crayon aisle. <laughs> and crayon marker aisle for a long time. And I didn't buy anything. I just had to walk away because I, I looked at my watch and I was like, oh my goodness, I have been here <laughs> looking at all the different Crayola stuff. So teachers, spend your money on crayons and markers and scissors and stuff. All the fun things. The flair. The glitter markers. Did you buy the glitter markers? I really love No, the but they were in my cart and then they got out of my cart and then wow. they got back in the cart. But I didn't buy them. Good self-control. I'm impressed. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we say that because I had good self-control about the markers and crayons, but you should have seen the rest of... I mean, there was a reason why I put it back and had to walk away. It's not like I was an angel in the staples <laughs> and walked away with nothing. <laughs> that, that was very honest with you. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, Kendra, I think... Let's see. I think we've talked long enough and I think they get it. I think they realize that you can really maximize your time in your classroom by learning one tool really well and allowing your students to show what they know in more than one way. I think that's so. a great point and a great place to end this at least. All right. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye everybody. <laughs>